0: So I'm excited to be with you today as we close our series, but no, we're not closing this season. We're praying that this is a beginning for us as God's people, not an end today. So um, I'm I'm just honored to be with you as we take a special offering today, as we sign the keys today. There'll be some moving parts to our service that I'll explain to you as, as you move along. But there will be an opportunity for you to come forward and give if you'd like. There would also be an opportunity for you to stay seated and give if you'd like. There's also an opportunity for you not to give at all. So praise the Lord. All of that's available to you. And then at some point towards the end, we'll make our way over and sign the keys together. Now, if you're new, welcome to Grace. You're in a family meeting today. So this is a little different than what we would normally have. I know that um, growing up, with the kids growing up in our family, we had family meetings where we would get together and talk about issues of the family. And sometimes their friends would come and join us for a family meeting, and it was a really beautiful thing because they got to see a little bit about how our family works. So if you're new to Grace today, please don't feel under any compulsion to give. We're just glad you're here, Um, and this is kind of a family time that you're entering into. So hopefully you'll come to love us in the way that we already love you. So we're grateful you're here. Um, Next week, I have a a real exciting announcement to make. We're going to have Stephen Katz with us. Stephen is um, the North American director of Jews for Jesus. And Jews for Jesus is a wonderful organization that reaches Jews with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's going to teach us Christ in the Passover. He's going to tie the celebration of the Seder to the ancient Jew to uh, the Last Supper of Jesus with the disciples. So please join us for this important time next week. I'm sure it'll be a gift um, from God. So, um, the last five weeks, we've talked about joyful giving. How many people have grown just a little bit in the last five weeks? Anybody grow a little bit? All right, praise the Lord. I've grown a lot. And so, I have to tell you, I'm very excited about this topic, but I realize that not everybody's excited about this topic. So, I was just talking to Pastor Mark about that. You know, we all go through different kind of ways of spiritually growing, and sometimes we grieve so that we can experience greater freedom. And I'm kind of through that grieving place now where I'm feeling like I just want to give the house away and just like give everything away. And so, um, excuse me if I get a little crazy, okay? But I I just want to be nuts for the Lord because he's given everything for me. So I have the honor of teaching you today briefly before we get to our special offering. And I want to remind you that 15% of what Jesus said while he was here on earth had to do with money and material possessions. He taught more on money and material possessions, used them more than he did on heaven and hell combined. So, when you think about this, for us not to talk about this would be remiss. We would spiritually be remiss if we did not talk about this reality. However, culturally speaking, it's not very popular to talk about giving away your money. First of all, it's not your money, but that's what the world tells us it's your money. It's your money. You earned it, it's your money. Can I, can I hear you say this? It's all God's. Can you say that? It all belongs, it all belongs to God. Say that. God. I'm not just talking about your money. I'm talking about your time, your talent, your treasure, everything that you have, including who you are, and the very breath that you're taking right now is a gift from God. Now, you have to understand that's foundational to the way that we live our lives because we get duped by the evil one into thinking that somehow we own stuff. But when you buy into that lie, your stuff starts to own you. You see, the enemy who hates your guts wants to keep you in captivity. Even if you are in Christ Jesus, he wants to steal your joy. And can I tell you something? There is nothing more fun than being freed up by financially for Jesus Christ to give for the glory of God. Some of you are like shaking your heads. But I was just talking to a woman in the lobby who said, this is so much fun. And I said, tell me about what God's doing. And she said, I've come up with a plan, and I put a certain amount of money aside. And she said, that's a percentage of my, and then she said, I give to the church, and I give to this, and I give to that. And she said, but this money I put aside, and I just give as the Lord leads me. And she said, so I'm in a conversation with someone this week, and I find that I need, and guess what? I was able to say, I'm going to take care of that for you. But it's not for me. It's from God. And don't thank me. Thank God. This is from Jesus Christ, because he loves you. And look, I mean, how many of you want to be freed up like that? Come on. Like, we're talking about being generous and love and light for the glory of God everywhere you go. And this is freedom for us. This is a message of joy and freedom, the proclamation of which sometimes hits our hearts and brings deep conviction to us. Why? Because none of us are done yet. This side of heaven, there is always work to do in our hearts and our minds. And the reason why I'm so excited that we're talking about this is because Jesus talks about it, because culturally speaking, though, this is one of the strongholds the evil one has had on us. So I'm going to pray a warfare prayer right now. I prayed this in the first service, I think way too late. About three quarters of the way through, I cast the evil one out of this space. I'm going to do it now, so we can just be done with that, all right? So please pray for me, with me, and for me. (laughs) Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you have given us authority, given us authority over the evil one who seeks to somehow destroy what you're doing. But we know that his plot is completely um, useless because it's not going to prevail. You are the one who wins, Lord Jesus Christ. So we come before you now and we ask that you would purge us, Lord. And Satan or anything of you, I cast you out in the name and the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You have no place and no power here. This is the house of God, and we are the people of God. We command you to go where Jesus Christ sends you. Lord, cleanse us now. Dedicate us, set us apart, Lord, that we would hear your word and that we would leave here transformed, living greater for your glory, your glory alone. We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus and all God's people said Amen. Okay, so I'm going to revisit a scripture that we've talked about several times throughout our six weeks together. It's from Matthew 6, 19 through 24. I'm going to read more of it than, up, than is up there. It's starting in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures in, on earth, where wroth, moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Stop. We've talked about this. Jesus goes on to explain this a little bit more. What you focus on will capture your adoration. Listen to what he says. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, if they're focused on the things of the kingdom of God, then your whole body would be filled with light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, focused on the things of this world... Your whole body will be filled with darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? He's saying if you're buying into the things of this world and your eyes are focused on mammon and money and the things of this world, that darkness is going to take you be doo down, down. You're going to go in the pit. Now many of us could give a testimony right now to having been in the pit. Some of us here this morning are probably in the pit now. Can I tell you something? You serve a God that will pick you up out of the muck and the mire, and He will put your feet down on a rock. And He will save you because He is a God who is mighty to save. So He says, if your eyes are unhealthy, the whole body will be filled with darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Can you say that after me? You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I want you to say it again, and I want you to say it more passionately, and I want you to say, I cannot serve both God and money. Let's say it together. I cannot serve both God and money. And yet I made the case last week that many of us try to serve both. We try and look for a 70-30 split. God, I'll love you more, but can I just hold on to my money? can I just hold on to the sense of security that money brings me? And God says, no. Money will never give you the security you're longing for in your heart. But God... Yeah, I know, Jeff, I know. I've seen you buy into the lies of the evil one, but I am the only one that will ever sustain you. Jeff, I want every bit of you to trust in me. And I want to set free every part of your soul. You see, God longs for you not just to be free in one area and in bondage in the other. He wants you to be free in every area. So Jesus here personifies money. He says money is a servant. He says money is a person. The word mammon is the word we talked about last week. And that's the name of a pagan god that Jesus is referring to when he says you cannot serve both God and this little g-god called mammon. Now, I've made this point. Materialism, I think, is the fastest growing religion in our culture right now. Consumerism and materialism has its own set of doctrines. And the doctrines of materialism go like this. You will feel better when you get the next Amazon box on your doorstop. You remember that song from a a musical, oh the Wells Fargo wagon is a coming down the street. Anybody remember that? Yeah, Yeah, some of you old folk are like, I got I remember that one. Oh, why can't it be for me? Remember that Alan? Oh, the Wells Fargo wagon is a coming down the street. Oh, why can't it be for me? See, I'm so excited about getting the next thing. The next thing. Wells Fargo used to be Amazon, right, Alan? Yeah, it was, yeah. So now we have Amazon coming, and you have all that stuff coming to your home. Remember I told you that the average house has 300,000 items? Remember I told you a few weeks ago that the the house, uh, the average house size has tripled in the last 50 years? Remember I told you that we can take every man, woman, and child in this country, and every single one of us can stand simultaneously under the roof of a mini-storage facility? Now, those are somewhat like... Laughable statistics, you can go, oh my gosh, that's crazy, and you laugh at it, but then we should also be weeping at the same time. We are a materialistic culture, and God wants to free us from this God called mammon, and this religion called materialism. Materialism says to us, more is the answer. If you just get the next right thing, then you'll be okay, and God says that will never work for you. Listen to me. When you give, you are making a deliberate decision to have less. And, and this little God, Mammon, he doesn't like that. He doesn't like when you give. On a, giving on a fundamental, on a philosophical level is as anti-materialism as you can get. Now, as we talked about in past week, giving is the only antidote to materialism. For example, merely getting rid of things won't work nor making a resolution to spend less, or if you want to purge or downsize your home, none of these actions in and of themselves are anti-materialistic at their core because none of them affect your bottom line. If you just downsize or sell your second home, you keep the money. If you stop splurging, you still have the money kind of stockpiled away eventually to spend on something, and you will eventually spend it on something. Anybody say amen to that? So you'll get rid of stuff and then you'll get new stuff. And you'll declutter and then you'll reclutter. Anybody familiar with the recluttering effect? Oh, I just need to get rid of all this stuff. It's just too much for me to manage because the way you're losing thousands of items all the time every year in your house, you're losing stuff. So you get rid of it and then what happens? It comes back. And it's not a mystery how it comes back. You're the problem i'm the problem so we try and declutter we try and spend less we try and save more we try and sell things and all these might be good ideas for some other reason unrelated to materialism but don't expect any of these to loosen the grip that materialism has on you all these things may cause you to have less the problem is that most of us want more and that is why people who live in poverty are not necessarily less materialistic than those who actually have wealth. I'm going to say that again. That is why people who live in poverty are not necessarily affected any less by the disease of materialism than those who have wealth. Why? Because there are a lot of poor people that want a lot more. And there are some wealthy people that don't really want any more. So materialism in of itself is something that will only be addressed through Giving. No matter how much money you have, giving is the only action that directly moves against the religion of materialism. Giving is not one of the potential approaches. It is the key that unlocks the cage. And when you start to taste it, as I've started to taste it to a greater extent just in the past couple months personally, Tracy and I are wigging out at home. We're so excited. And yet, I can't believe that I've been living in the cage that I've been living in. God wants to set you free, but I have a word for you. If you really want to experience the freedom that comes from giving, you have to give to the point where it makes you uncomfortable. How many people like to be uncomfortable? Not a hand in the house. What do you know about that? For giving to be effective against the God of mammon and His work in your life, it's going to have to hurt. Listen to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. What is Paul saying? He's saying, look, and this is in chapter 12. He's saying, in light of everything I've just told you about the grace of God, you are loved You are forgiven. You are accepted. You're redeemed. You're complete in Christ. You are now children of the Most High God. Does that sound good to anybody? I want you to say this out loud. I am loved. I am am forgiven. 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 Say it with a little more passion, will you please? I am loved. I am forgiven. forgiven. I'm I'm accepted. I'm accepted. I'm I'm redeemed. I'm complete in Christ. I am a child of the Most High God. God. Would you please give Jesus some love through applauding for that? Come on! Look, Jesus Christ loved you so much that he bought you back from hell with his own blood. He died for us. He died for us that while we were dead in our transgressions, he actually died for us that we are now alive in Christ Jesus. We deserved hell, and we've been given eternity with him. We were lost in our identity, and God has given us a new identity. We're his children. We're co-heirs with Christ. We're sons and daughters. We're ambassadors. We're representatives. We're now light and salt. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. We are now the spiritual ones that carry his very image the dark world around us and we are givers after the heart of God himself we are never more like God than when we're giving for God is the greatest giver there ever was so Paul says in light of God's mercy in light of all the things he's done for you in light of who you are in him now I want you to crawl up on the altar and let God kill every part of you that doesn't belong you know what an altar is don't you you know, they would slay an animal on the altar, right? You know, Jesus, Jesus is saying through our brother Paul, in light of God's mercy, I want you to offer your entire being as a spiritual sacrifice to God. I want you to crawl up on the altar, and I want you to let God have his way in you. Can you say this after me? God, have your way in me. No matter how much it hurts. So, so here's the thing. Like to expect that we're going to grow in Christ and not feel uncomfortable is a bad expectation. You have to be willing to become uncomfortable for the cause of Christ, because you're not done yet, and neither am I. And if your giving doesn't hurt, it's not bothering mammon one bit. It remains completely unacceptable. You know, I saw this T-shirt once. It wasn't in our gym here, but it was in a different gym, and someone was wearing it, and it said, "Sweat is fat screaming." Never heard that before? Sweat is fat screaming. It's a brilliant slogan. You know why? Because the person personified fat. They made it into a person. They make you think of it as a living thing that wants to survive. And once you start sweating, then and only then does your fat begin to protest. Anybody give an amen to that? My fat does not want to die. And I do all kinds of stuff to get this fat off my waist. And I'm like, why is it not working? And God says, You got to sweat. You got to sweat. You see, like, sweat then is this whole idea that your fat starts to scream and fat will protest. Don't kill me. Don't get rid of me. I'll be good to you from here on out. I promise I will. Your fat doesn't care if you participate in moderate exercise because that doesn't threaten your fat. It only starts to cry and wither and die when you turn up the heat. The same is true about mammon and giving. Only at the point that your giving makes you wince Do you start to actually address the problem? Only then are you on the pathway to freedom in Jesus Christ. Mammon is fine if you give a little bit here and there. Mammon doesn't mind when you chip in and support a good cause. In fact, mammon is a fan of moderate and charitable giving. Why? Because people can give moderately and charitably and think that they're still not materialistic. All the while, we still are. This disease of materialism, this religion of materialism, it lives underground. And in order for us to unearth it, we actually have to trust God to give like He gives, sacrificially. If you give until it hurts, then you'll begin to choke out this God named Mammon, and you'll make Him kneel down and bow before Jesus in His authority. You have been given the authority to do this. I have been given the authority to do this. And yet we need to trust God in such a way that we take steps of faith. So listen, I want to read a little story from Luke. This is uh, 20 and 21. If you want to turn there with me, I'm going to be in chapter 20, verses 45 through 47, the end of 20. And then I'm going to actually read into the beginning of 21. Very important when you read Scripture that you look at the context Always look around where you're reading so you understand the setting of the Scripture. God brings more light to it that way. So this is the words of Jesus. And he says, 45, while all the people were listening, Jesus said to the disciples, beware of the teachers of the law. By the way, he says in another point, these guys are lovers of money. That The Pharisees and the scribes, they loved money. And and so he said, they like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honors at banquets. Listen, 47, they devour widows' homes. They devour widows' homes. What does that mean? They are not acting in the best interest of other people, especially the weakest in our culture. They are perpetuating acts of spiritual violence through greed against those in need. And for a show, they make lengthy prayers. He's saying, their, their lips are praising me, but their hearts are far from me. He says, these men will be punished most severely. Now it goes on, and Jesus looked up. You see, we changed the chapter, but realize that this, <laughs> these weren't written in chapters. I mean, this, this is like a love letter to you. So it goes on to say, these men will be punished most severely as Jesus looked up, He saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. Verse 2. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. These were called leptons. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all of the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything she had to live on. Now this is referred to as The widow's mite. How many people have heard this story before? A lepton was the smallest and least valuable coin in circulation in Judea. It was worth about six minutes of an average daily wage. So this woman put in the equivalent of $2. $2 in our modern things. That's what she's throwing in these two leptons, like $2 coins. She put them in there and she grabs Jesus' attention. And he says, I tell you the truth, she's given more than everybody else. So everybody else was probably putting in a lot more money because they were giving out of their wealth and they were given all this stuff. And this woman comes along and all she has is two dollar coins left and she puts both of them in there. And he says, whoa, check out her faith. Check out her love for God. Can I tell you something? This woman is giving violently for the kingdom of God. I'm going to explain that in a second. There's a passage I want to get to here, so stay with me for a moment, in Matthew 11. I'm going to read the context again, but you're going to see up there 11 through 15. I'm starting in 7. As these were going away, Jesus began to speak in the crowds concerning John. Everybody know John the Baptist? He is this crazy guy for God, who happens to be Jesus' cousin, and he's going out preaching, prepare the way, prepare the way for the Messiah, Repent! He's a wild man in the desert. He dresses like an insane guy, and he's eating locusts and honey. Anybody ever eat a bug in here? All right, we got one. I had a guy come up after last service. He had eaten locusts before. He said, put honey and cinnamon on them and something else. He said, it was rather interesting. I said, no, thank you. Don't bring me one. I don't want it. But John was a wild man for God. John was a barbarian Christian. He was filled with passion for God. So listen, it goes on. As these were going on, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? He's talking about those that went out to see John. He said, did you go out and see a reed shaken by the wind? Is that why you went? No. But what did you go out to see? Did you wear a man dressed in delicate clothing? Behold, those wearing delicate clothing are in the king's house. But what did you go out to see? He says, a prophet. Yes, I say to you, and one more excellent than a prophet, for this is he about whom it has been written, Behold, I will send my messenger before your face. Has God ever gotten in your face? I hope so. Has God ever gotten in your face? He got up right against your face and said, listen to me. So he says, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, and I will prepare your way before you. Verse 11, Truly I say to you, among those born of women... There has not been risen one greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He's saying that when we get to heaven, we're transformed, and we actually become more and more, of course, completely given over to God. So, and he goes, this is verse 12, and this is the one I want to get to. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of the heavens is taken by violence, and the violent will lay hold of it. I first came on this passage, like, about eight years ago. I was preaching up here, and I really felt like the the glory of God was thundering through me. And obviously, at least one other person felt that way, because my friend Jamie Frond sent me a text, and she sent me that scripture. And I went, "I, I don't think I've ever looked at that. And so, I've looked at it, and I realize that scholars disagree on its interpretation. But can I tell you what I think that means? That means that those who are passionate for God will advance the kingdom of God passionately. How many of you want to be passionate for God? How many of you are passionate for God? So, your passion, then, should come across and do great violence in spiritual realms. You should have an effect on the way that the evil one is dealing his business today by the way that you live your life. You should be doing him some damage. How many of want to kick Satan in the tush? I'll use that word. See, and Jesus in you is the one who's already knocked him out. But there's damage to be done today. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven is taken by violence, and those who are violently passionate for God will lay hold of it. This is not encouraging you to act out violence towards other people. No, you're supposed to be meek, you're supposed to be loving, you're supposed to be kind. These are the weapons that you deal with, but you are called to be passionate for God. For all the prophets and the law prophesied about until John, and if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah, the one being about to come, the one who has ears, let him hear. He's talking about people like John and Elijah and others who were passionate for the kingdom of God. And those who are wholeheartedly committed to pressing into God, his kingdom comes about in a way right here on earth as it is in heaven. These are what I call barbarian Christians. You're called to be a barbarian Christian, and this woman who gave $2 is giving violently. You know what? This woman is a warrior for the kingdom of God. You know how I know that? We're standing here. I'm standing. You're sitting. But we're in this place over 2,000 years later talking about this little poor widow. Why? Because her faith was a great act of violence against the God of Mammon. You see, when she gave, she drove a spear into the heart of that little G God. And demons screamed. And angels rejoiced. I can see her now. She must have been in her 80s, and I think she could have got up there when she was dunking those coins and just went hoorah. <laughs> Any Marines in here? Any Marines? I'm looking for a Marine who can give me a hoorah. I think mine was better, bro. I do. <laughs> that was pretty good. I think she could have hoorah. I think she could have like, she been like that. Oh, she dunked those coins in the treasury, and she was saying death to you, death to you, ma'am, and death to you, money. I-, I love God. See, this woman was a warrior, and when she did this, demon screamed. Why? Because her giving made it clear that she was free from the clutches of materialism. Does your giving show that? I've got to be honest with you. My giving has grown so much in the last six weeks, but I feel like I'm still an infant in this in some ways. And I've been giving for years and years and years. I can tell you the weight's falling off my shoulders. I, I, don't, I, I don't even really know how to explain to you what God is doing in my heart and in my, in my family and my wife and I. But we're just, we're more, more passionately in love with Jesus than we've been in a long, long time. And I think that's because we're understanding what this woman already knew. That in order for this little G God to die, there was no other option but to give Sacrificially. Her giving made it clear also that she trusted in God to provide for her. Listen, this guy that stored up stuff in his vats, he was afraid. He was afraid that his future was not secure. And can I tell you something? Money will never secure your future. Can you say that after me? Money will never secure my future. Never. Never. You know why? Because it can go away just like that. Anybody want to say amen? Amen. So you don't even know where you're going to be tomorrow. That's why Jesus says to this guy who's storing his stuff up, he says, you fool, your life will be demanded of you tonight. Then who's going to get all your stuff? It's all God's anyway. This woman, her colors were clear. I want my colors to be clear for Jesus. And Jesus pointed her out, and we're talking to her about her today. Why? Because in the midst of her poverty, she was rich toward God. She loved God. Great passion is a natural byproduct of our relationship with Jesus. But the enemy wants to keep us from becoming passionate. Why? So we would be less effective for the kingdom of God. When we give passionately to God, we do great harm to the evil one in the way that we live our lives. That's why I want to urge you to give violently, not just here at Grace Fellowship Church. This series has not been about giving here at Grace Fellowship Church. This is about turning your heart into a giver after God's own heart. Now, do we want you to give to Grace Fellowship Church in the Dream Center? Yes. Why? Because we believe in what God is doing here. But God is calling to actually transform your heart so you are no longer yoked to this God called Mammon and that you walk through this place called planet Earth and you are a giver after God. You show his love by the way that you give to others. That's what this is all about. And when you do, demons scream. The only way to kill materialism in your life is to force mammon to bow down before Jesus and use him for the glory of God. Now, money and mammon, they'll whisper to you. They'll say things like, I really will take care of you. I'll help you out. I'll be your servant. I'll get you what you want. That next thing from Amazon looks so good, doesn't it? That that meal that you're going to spend that horrible amount of money of God's money on, that's just going to satiate you. And you're going to get indigestion all the same, I can guarantee it. All mammon wants you to do is keep your eyes on him. And if your eyes are focused on the things of this world, how great is the darkness? We need to learn to say to mammon and these voices, get behind me, Satan. We need to learn to say to them, it is written, worship the Lord God and serve him only. You know, Jesus Christ, when he was tempted in the desert, was tempted in three different ways, and specifically, you know he was tempted by mammon? Satan said, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all this stuff. Look at it all. Look at it all. I'll give you everything. You'll have it all. And Jesus says, it is written. Thou shalt serve the Lord God and worship him only, only. You can't do it halfway, only. Forget it, Satan go away. I cast you out in the name and blood of my Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we need to be saying when it comes to this inclination to hoard our stuff. I had a guy in the last service came out, had tears running down his face. And he's thanking me for what God was saying. He said, I have never understood sacrificial giving in my whole life. He said, I understand it now more than I ever have. And he said, God, give me a picture this morning. He said, I, I looked out my window. He said, I saw a bird by my bird feeder. It was a big bird. And that bird was trying to keep away eight other birds from the seed. He said, a big pile of seeds. He said, there was more than enough for everybody there. But that big bird was fighting off every other bird that came along. He was fighting them off so much, he couldn't even enjoy the seed. He was too busy protecting what he thought was his to have any joy in his life at all. He said, Pastor Jeff, I've been that bird. And with tears in his eyes, he says, I don't want to be that bird anymore. Do you understand that God actually guides birds to speak to us. Is that not beautiful? You see, he wants to speak to you and he wants to set you free. But you have to be willing to trust him. Listen to these words from Matthew 10. These 12 uh, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. He said, do not go among the Gentiles or enter into any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, claim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Now freely give. You know the little song, don't you? you sing it with me? Freely, freely you have received. Freely, freely give. Go in my name and because you believe. Others will know that I live. Let's sing it again. A little bit more from your heart. A little more violently, please. Freely, freely, you have received. Freely, freely give. Go in my name and because you believe. Others will know that I live. Lord Jesus, we want to be like you. We acknowledge you live inside of us, God. But our flesh screams. Lord, deliver us from the deception of the evil one. Break off this mistress affair with this God named Mammon. Make us solely and only yours, Lord Jesus. We know the only way out is you and giving. God, we pray today you'd help us to drive a spear right into Mammon's heart that you would allow us to break the spell with you to slay the beast, to loosen the chains and to live life to a fuller extent in your joy. May we say to ma'am, and I no longer worship you, I no longer depend on you and I no longer will let you ruin my life and steal my joy. We ask in the name of Jesus now that you would guide us as we go into this time of offering, that this offering would be a pleasing sacrifice to you, God. Thank you that you've called us to crawl up on the altar, that we give only because you first gave to us. You're the greatest giver there ever will be, and we can never outgive you. Thank you, Lord, that when we give, you show us that we're becoming more like your heart. Guide us, Lord Jesus. Help us to follow you. In your precious name, amen. We're going to enter into time of special offering now, and we're doing this a little differently today than we normally do. Um, we're going to do one offering so if you brought your regular tithes and offerings and if you chose to bring a one time over and above gift you're going to give that all at the same time you'll notice that there are five baskets up front and then there's a bunch of pillows up here we want you to give today as an act of worship to god so if you feel called by god to come up and give your offering up here and kneel and pray that's what tracy and i did at the first service we'd invite you to do that the ushers will also at one point be passing the baskets where you're seated so if you would prefer to stay seated and give there that's fine and again if you don't want to give that's fine too we're just glad you're here but both will be available so again you're free to come forward once you give you're free to kneel down say a prayer but this when you give do it joyfully <laughs> when you give today say thank you god for allowing me to participate with you in slaying this beast called mammon in my life thank you god for giving me the honor of participating with you in this you can feel free to kneel, kneel down. If you're a digital giver, if you give on push pay like I do, then you can, if you want, just bring your phone forward. Kneel and just do it there. However you want to move, however you feel like the Lord's calling you to do, to give, we want to give you the freedom to do that. Offer up a prayer while you're doing this. And then after this time of offering, we'll, we'll continue in our worship. We're going to worship while we're offering. And then I'll give you another little word before we go into our signing of the keys today. So Lord, we pray now that you will prepare our hearts to worship you through giving. God, we acknowledge this is just one opportunity. There's many opportunities when we walk out that door. Lord, I pray you'd help us to understand what it is you're calling us to. Freedom, joy, life and love in the Holy Ghost. Deliver us from the ways of this world. Help us to grow tired of mammon. Help us to live passionately and spiritually violent lives for you. For you are the one who gave everything. We submit ourselves to you now and pray that this offering time would be beautiful in your sight. For you are the beautiful one. And you are the one who is worthy of it all. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and we pray this in your precious name. Amen.